0: uh welcome to i literally forgot what this is called <laughs> I, the good good games podcast. It, it, yeah. i think it's good games. Welcome. Think it's
1: good games podcast yeah that's it
0: yeah yes um welcome to the good games podcast my name is james and i'm leo um and here we are we took uh Uh, An extra week so that Leo could uh, get as much time uh, playing today's topic as possible. Today's topic is Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Door. uh, Were you able to finish uh, in the extra week? I
1: was able to finish.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. What did you think of Paper Mario, The Thousand Year Uh, Door?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Well, that's uh, our podcast. Tune in next ya. time when. Uh... <laughs>
1: um, it's good. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good things that this game mm-hmm. does. Um, you know, we'll go into more detail as I'm sure you're going to give kind of a general overview and all mm-hmm. that. So. I won't give my final rating and, and talk to, in too much detail yet. Okay. But overall, mm-hmm. overall, I liked the game.
0: Cool. Good.
1: Okay. Is that fair? All
0: right. All right. So we, we're going to get into detail when we when we start breaking Let's this get down. get into detail.
1: And when we start breaking it down, I'm going to give you my pros and cons. But there were some cons.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's game, fair. The game's not perfect. And the game is not perfect. Um. But goddamn, I love this game. All right.
1: Let's start with uh, what is Paper Mario: The Thousand Year uh, Door, and you know why would our viewers like to, or viewers, our listeners like to uh, to play this game?
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. So, um, uh, today we're talking about Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. It is a game for the Nintendo GameCube. It came out in two thousand four. Let me check my notes to make sure I'm not spewing nonsense. Nope, it actually came out in two thousand four. I'm correct. It came out in two thousand four for the GameCube. It was the sequel to. The Nintendo 64 game just called Paper Mario, or if you live in Japan, it was called Mario Story, which is a pseudo sequel to Mario RPG, which was for the Super Nintendo. It has had three sequels since Thousand Year Door, oh. those being Super Paper Mario, uh, Sticker Star, and Color Splash. Uh, don't even worry about those three sequels. I would say uh, if you if you uh, really enjoyed Thousand Year Door, seek out its predecessor for the N64. Mm. Maybe go play Mario RPG. Don't even worry about the three uh, sequels. <laughs> they got um, they got progressively more and more off track, and uh, uh, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, but we won't talk about those games today. We're talking about uh, Thousand Year Door. I would classify this game as a little bit overlooked, a little bit underappreciated. So that is also going to tie in later in our show with our top five overlooked underappreciated underrated video games so um let's start let's start with um the the narrative the story the setting the characters uh give me your give me yeah give me your thoughts on that i hated it really yeah okay so
1: so i loved a lot of things about this game from from like a game design mechanic and Mm -hmm. um Flow and, and other features, and we'll talk about those. But when it comes to the story, um, I struggled. I struggled a lot, man. Okay, um, it's cute, you know, and it's Mario, mm-hmm. so it's definitely yep. that got that trademarked Mario feel. Mm-hmm. But man, I was kind of gouging my eyes out during some of these story arcs. Like which ones? It just all of it. <laughs> really i I could not get myself to enjoy the like okay like from a from a very basic principle of hero you know has to save the world by collecting these magical items Mm -hmm. from that standpoint yeah that's it's cliche but I like it but everything related to just you know the world and the peach and the knots and the computer and Uh Bowser it's just ah ah I struggled, man. It was rough. It wow. Was rough. Um, I did not enjoy almost anything. I skipped a lot of dialogue in this game, which I really oh, do.
0: No. I was wow. just B.
1: I was just pressing, just spamming B. Like, come on, like, stop talking about the fucking things on the little uh, things with the the grandma, elderly little creatures, and just like, I don't. I, it was just boring. It was. It was boring. Wow. It was a terribly boring story.
0: Wow. I am going to come down on the total polar opposite of you uh, and say this is one of the best written games I have played. Um, (laughs) Yes. I mean, Uh, in what way? So, um, okay. So, the the first thing, we're going to start with, um, I'm going to... describe actually what this uh, game is uh so in in the story mario is looking for he's searching for the seven crystal stars because he needs them to uh a prevent a plot to uh, an evil plot to ru- rule the world but b it's his only link to figuring out where princess peach is because of course princess peach has been kidnapped again of course of course uh now where things start to get a little weird is that it's sort of like a little bit of an edgier take on the Mario universe. Now, I mean, this is not like super, Oh my God, edgy or anything, but like, so for instance, like the first place you walk into is Rogueport. It is the hub world for where Mario is uh, traveling on his adventure. And like one of the first things you see, I always think this is really notable is there's a noose in the center of the town square like yeah. in a Mario game there's a noose Yeah. <laughs> which like is not a plot point at all it's just there st- purely aesthetically just to like set the tone for this like weird weird place um, but okay so I think the reason that um, the writing in this game really works for me is it does it does two things really well um, so like you alluded to earlier it is it's definitely cutesy it's mm-hmm. It's uh it it's very tongue-in-cheek, uh a little bit cutesy, but it never goes like full parody. It would've it would have easily like there's a thin line between writing a lot of tongue-in-cheek jokes that are sometimes at the expense of like Mario the franchise and Mario the series. There's a thin line between that and like having a parody of Mario, but but the game never go like it's never a parody. There's just a lot of like I don't know, just um, just tongue and cheek jokes, and I think what helps establish this game, um, okay, what what really works for me is the, the the places you go feel very lived in and real, um, and and so do a lot of the characters you meet, even the NPCs. Um, like all, all, almost, I don't know if you've noticed this. But all of the NPCs are, like, named. Like, even the yeah. ones that just have, like, one piece of... The, they all have, like, dumb names. Like, some of them are just stupid jokes, but, you know. Uh, yeah. Some of them are, if you do some of the side quests, they get, like... The, there's there's some reoccurring characters that keep popping up through settings as you keep traveling. But it helps give give this, this weird world of, of Thousand Year Door... Uh, some realism to it when you when you start seeing the same people in different locations it it gives it some consistency uh I don't know I just I just I really bought into this world uh that they made and the, the writing is able to like make me smile without making me roll my eyes like that is the flavor of the like jokes that are in this game and that's like I don't know I love it it's perfect uh uh, yeah, I'm I'm saddened to hear that uh, this didn't work for you at all. I
1: I would agree that the the world building is actually done you know pretty well in the sense of like actually trying to convince the reader that these are connected worlds and that you know the way people talk about oh, you know, go to what is it Glitzville, like the floating uh-huh, yep. place mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. or mm-hmm. go to, you know, the the rich people place or whatever like, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it has that feel of they're Actually, being some vastness to this world, and and that the citizens are connected in, in in a way that we are like in our world. So, so that aspect, yeah, I totally agree. For me, it was just kind of um, honestly, if I could narrow it down to one specific thing, mm-hmm. it's it's just the in between chapter stuff.
0: Really? See, like, I love some of that stuff. Yeah, go ahead.
1: I I it's just like you know, I don't know. I, it just felt like you could probably wrap this game up in four chapters.
0: Yeah, maybe. Uh the game could be a little shorter. There are some chapters that are absolutely stronger than others. I thought um the wrestling chapter, chapter that 3 was, was Yeah, that was excellent. A blast. Yes. The uh, the train chapter, which I think is chapter six. That was my second favorite. Was yeah. excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah, good. I'm glad we have the same favorite chapters. Um, yeah,
1: those are phenomenal. I love those parts. But,
0: but like tell me why those work. Because it has nothing... Well, I, I would say it has very little to do with the mechanics of the game and everything yes. to do with establishing those settings establishing the train setting establishing the characters that you're going to meet on those train establishing yeah. the setting of that wrestling arena and like all of the rules It's
1: and- it's, it's cuz the settings in themselves were really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know. And
1: mm-hmm. the characters are really they're cool too. I like the characters. okay It's just the the representation of the narrative it's just kind of drags on like in those moments where they just kind of have to like pre- uh continue the the plot kind of okay I, I just felt like wordy to me and slow and
0: i yeah, just lost is, interest this is a game with a lot of reading a whole yeah. lot of text and reading if you're not down to do some reading that uh, being said
1: the most reading was uh luigi's storyline um,
0: <laughs> no yeah that which... is just 100% tongue-in-cheek yeah did it strike you as weird that this is a game especially with like modern mario and the way they've like evolved these characters and the consistency that they have now did it strike you weird that luigi just talks like a normal person like has a voice and just talks and is very (laughs) verbose yeah that that was very uh unusual yeah but yeah that was just a hundred percent uh whatever joke time uh i don't know it was um, I like.
1: I really. I actually. Do really enjoyed the the Luigi dynamic in this that's, game. Like
0: that's so funny that, that funny. you. That's so funny that you enjoy that, but not the rest of the story. Because nope. basically, basically that's the same joke over and over and over and over again. Like well, at, I,
1: like I. I well, to be fair, I didn't read any of Luigi's. Like I, mean, I skimmed through oh, it as oh, I just oh, pressed. Oh, B okay, okay,
0: okay. Well, well what did but, you mean? You enjoyed his story. I, I
1: just. I enjoyed the fact that like. It's not just his story, but like how he was placed in this game, just in general. Like the fact that, just the idea that he's living this other adventure, just right. as equally as cool as Mario. Right, right. I, I don't, I don't need to read a thousand words to know that the joke they're making. You know, like I got it mm-hmm. after the first one. I just skimmed the rest, but it, that was funny to me. It's just that I'm never going to sit there and read all this. Uh, but dude, at, dude. at the end, like his, um, there was a scene where
0: to establish like you, what we're to establish oh, what we're talking about um after well during every chapter Mario will bump into Luigi who is off on his own adventure and Luigi excitedly and this is weird again because Luigi just talks Luigi uh, and and uh, m- compounded by the weirdness that Mario does not talk he's just a mute character with you know the occasional yeah. wah and ya and yahoo or whatever like you would expect and, but
1: and oh yes
0: uh, oh yeah um <laughs> but uh luigi excitedly tells mario about all of his adventures and all these grand things that he's um th- th- that he's doing uh which which is kind of undercut if you talk to his partners because his partners are always like oh my god this loon like he screwed everything up <laughs> like i hate this guy um so his partners are presumably telling you the the real story well whereas luigi is like embellishing his grand adventures and uh he even uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you go into the in the shop in the in Rogueport in the main town, Luigi starts writing like uh, novelizations of his adventures and selling them yeah. in the store. Yeah, I saw that yeah, that's, that's a nice touch. It's to me I that's is
1: funny though. Like that, that it aspect is. is it is, is funny, quite but funny,
0: it strikes me as strange that you found that funny, but like couldn't get into the rest of the like uh, well, story because
1: uh, or... you don't need to. Like it just felt like. <sighs> You don't need the whole story to get those things, you know? You don't Right. You don't need to drag on through all the dialogue. Like I get it. Yes, we're going. The computer is falling in love with. I get it. I, uh-huh. I understand. Like move on. I don't know. It just felt like they could have con- made that a little bit more concise. And really it was just the excitement of wanting to go to the next chapter, too. Okay. So in, okay, be- that's fair. in between chapters, you just have to drag on through all this other stuff I didn't really care that much about just to get to the next chapter. So Um
0: God, all that stuff you're talking about, like, sitting through is just my favorite. Like, I totally... I mean, uh, most of that's written pretty well. Like, I, I bought uh, Princess Peach and the computer, uh, all, all of their dumb uh, interactions and stuff. I, I thought... Because that can very easily not be good at all. But I, I thought that was yeah. pretty competently written.
1: I think I think the writing in that aspect was okay, but also what comp, what compounds my uh lack of impatience or lack Mm -hmm. of patience uh would be that they also interlude that extra writing with little mini games you have to do as peach or as bowser yep 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 and i was i had i was pissed off every time i had to play bowser (laughs) i was like why am i doing this oh
0: i like the little platforming things really no
1: i'm not here to play actual mario you know
0: (laughs) with bowser
1: it was just dumb i just uh, i hated that
0: Okay, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, and let's... then if you're gonna
1: play Peach, and you're not gonna show me tits when she gets undressed, what's the point?
0: <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, speaking to the fact that I, I I claimed earlier this was an edgier Mario game, Princess Peach goes fully nude in this game. I, that is totally. not a thing. I, that is not a thing we're making up. Like, I, no. it's a thing that... Ha- By the way, that would never, ever in a thousand years uh, happen in a modern Mario game. Like, there's no, there is no way this game could be made now. Like, that's just not a thing that would happen. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the battle system. Uh, what did you think? Oh, of yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Tell me about it.
1: Uh, I dig it. I dig it quite a bit. I love how interactive it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was no random battles, which, you know, I'm not a... A major fan of yep so i could you know with my awesome skill avoid many a enemy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh i like the aspect of almost like your your crit damage is really up to you and also it took me like at least 10 hours before i realized that you can add stylish combos to everything like stylish yep Yep. Mm-hmm. That's something they didn't really do a good job of explaining to me. They uh,
0: explained that at the very, very beginning of the game, uh, yeah.
1: I guess I glanced over it. But, yeah, so this concept that, like, if I use all of my – it's not really the MP. it's The star the star power is a little different than the yep. magic power, I guess, the mm-hmm. ability power. But it's like this idea that I can replenish that by throwing a couple little, like, stylish moves by tapping A at just the right time when I yep. you know, hit my enemy or after. So, uh, yeah, I love the the interactive part of it. I do wish that the, um, I guess it would be the leveling system or like the the, the the whole powering up your party members. Yep. That whole aspect of it, I wish that was easier or, I don't know, just more accessible or, or something. It just felt like... How do you mean? I should be getting stronger more often or something. Like it, There was like a long time, there was quite a gap before you really felt like your party members were strong enough like, they were generally, they just felt weak to me um, okay, for a gotcha. lot of the time. Like, you would get a spikes. You know, every time that you could yeah. power them up, you'd get a spike. And then by the time you could power them up again, you were, um, or, like, the next guy or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It just felt like the, the progression system wasn't really, it was lacking, you
0: know? Gotcha, yeah. Um, it's not
1: like a traditional RPG where you're just, like, leveling up,
0: you know? Well, yes, because when you get a certain amount of experience, Mario levels up, but his right. partners don't. Mm-hmm. They level up uh, a different way you have to collect yeah. items to level them up
1: yeah that felt um that felt like just a little weak to me but uh but overall i mean it, when you did power them up they got super strong and yep uh, that was really cool uh but yeah the combat system was great uh the whole concept of like which enemies can i jump on and which ones can i hit with my hammer like mm-hmm. you know making you think um mm-hmm. and it was it was somewhat challenging you know yeah uh, especially towards the end like the, the whole series of like final bosses and stuff was pretty tough. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed the battle system.
0: I um yeah to to sort of add on to what you're saying. Um, I like the interactivity. I would want it to be even more uh, interactive than it already is. So for mm-hmm. people who have not played this game, um, when you uh, so for instance, when you jump, when Mario jumps on an enemy. So this is a turn based RPG. So when you select, you know, your action. Uh, Mario's main two attacks are to jump or to use his hammer. So, for instance, when he jumps, if you press A exactly, uh, when you land on your enemy, you get to do a little bonus damage. Um, I would want them to be even more interactive than they already are. Because it, what kind of happens is once you learn the timings for these things, um, it's it's sort of you just kind of do them in your sleep. Uh, you just kind of forget about it. Like, especially the hammer. Like, yeah. the hammer timing just becomes... Because yeah. it, a, a, at least with the jump, uh, some you have variable heights in your enemies, so the jump timing changes a little bit, but the hammered timing just never changes. And a- after a while, towards the end of the game, you can just kind of do that in your sleep. Um, what I what I think they could do a little uh, better, if <laughs> if we are ever going to get another actual uh, <laughs> RPG Paper Mario, um, I never know. Is, is mix up some of the timings and, and some of the things you have to do. Um, so a, a great example of that is when you're on defense. So similarly to attacking, you can also press a at the right moment uh, when an enemy is attacking to reduce your damage. Or if you're you can really, B, yeah. Two, yeah, or if yeah. you're really feeling ballsy, um, you can press B to do a counter attack, but the timing no. is really, really precise on that.
1: Never do that. Don't even try.
0: <laughs> Unless you really know the timings. Well, Um, so some of the enemy attack timings are, um, are different. They're, they're, you know, random every time, um, the attacks, uh, have a different timing. Uh, I would have liked that, um, the, the sort of random timings on defense to also be on offense so that you can't really just, you know, do the hammer timing in your sleep or whatever the other attacks were. Um, uh, I actually didn't really mind the partner leveling system as much as, I think they could have done a much better job with Mario's leveling system. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but you basically always want to choose. uh, Okay, so when Mario levels up, um, you get three options. You can increase your HP, your heart points. You can increase your FP, your flower points, which is like traditional RPG, like MP or mana or whatever. It's what you use to cast spells or do special Mm -hmm. moves in this game. Or you can increase your badge points. Now, badges are one of the really cool parts about this game. Um, you can pick up badges which have different um, passive effects, or they can grant you new abilities, new attacks. Right. So maybe there's uh, maybe you find a badge that um, allows Mario's hammer for at, at, at the cost of some extra FP. You, uh, Mario's hammer can ignore enemies' defense or something like that. It's a special attack. Or a lot of them have passive abilities, which might uh, increase Mario's attack or, or defense or grant him some other passive bonuses. Um, this is, I don't know, my fourth or fifth time playing through this game, maybe even more. Uh, I've noticed you basically almost always want to choose upgrade the badge points because... Um,
1: I, I put a lot of points into the badge points.
0: Yes, yes, that is correct. Um there are a couple badge combinations which are just totally totally busted uh, and if you know these badge combinations, uh, the game's difficulty basically goes down to zero um, but you, you you basically always just want to level up these badge points. Um,
1: well the thing is some of them stacked too.
0: yes, yes exactly. Yeah. So, so if you
1: have, like, the power smash hammer move uh-huh, that yep. increases the damage of your hammer, mm. that can stack, and you can yep. just, you have multiple, and your hammer does even more and more damage. You just do a stupid for, amount for like of damage. damage, yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then similarly, the ones that are really busted are, like, the ones that say, like, uh, increase Mario's attack when he's in danger, or increase Mario's attack by, like, five when he's in peril, or something like that. Uh, those the partner versions of those and the ones that say like when they're in danger they take half damage those yeah. also stack <laughs> which is totally busted oh uh, <laughs> you can basically get to a point where you're just not taking any damage ever you're just like uh, in- invincible and, and you have like five hp yeah you're you're basically you're not taking any damage and you're just unloading ridiculous amounts of damage on the enemy each turn uh but whatever that's that's um, I, I don't really mind the busted badges as much because it kind of rewards experimentation. If you really know the game well, you can find the busted combinations and, uh, I don't know, have fun with those. Uh, cause they're, they're not immediately obvious. Uh, even if you're, I don't know, uh, even if you've played the game before, you might not know some of the really busted combinations until you really start experimenting. The thing I don't like as much as uh, it becomes very obvious that you just always want to upgrade the badge points and there's never really a reason to upgrade your uh, HP or your FP, especially when there's badges that can upgrade your HP and Increase FP. Increase your points. HP yeah. and FP. Yeah, that's so, what I was about to say. Yeah. Um, so that could have been done better. Make make yeah. something. I like the fact that they give you a decision to make when you level up. Uh, I don't like the fact that uh, that decision becomes very obvious uh, later in the game. But other yeah. than that, I really like the I really like the battle system in that game a lot. Um I love how interactive it is. I wish it was even more interactive. Um but yeah, it's it's real real good. Yeah, so I'm glad uh I was going to ask you what your favorite chapter was. I'm glad we agreed that the wrestling chapter is absolutely oh, the best chapter.
1: So good. Yeah. I love that chapter. Yes, that was very
0: good. I love um just all the, the the characters in that chapter are just, I I love them. They're great. They're yeah. super great. Uh Yeah.
1: Well, and I love, I love the play style of the chapter, too. Like, I actually enjoy kind of the gladiator. Mm-hmm. A, a, any game that has, like, a gladiator scene where you have to prove that you're the best by defeating all of the, you know, contenders. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. That just does it for me. I'm a big fan of, like, that arena-style prove-yourself chapter of every RPG.
0: That I, I, I like that a lot, and I think what's really smart about the pacing of that is they mix it in with this mystery, right? Um, because right, there, there's right. an underlying mystery like, hey, there's these wrestlers that keep going missing, uh, Man. and there's a guy who keeps there's text- intrigue, there's, yes, yes,
1: yeah. violence, you know?
0: there's a guy who keeps texting you on your phone or your whatever, whatever it is, Mario's Game Boy, which for some reason has internet access in this game, uh,
1: it's before its time, yeah.
0: Yeah, so you keep getting calls from a mysterious number. You don't know who it is, and uh, there's a bunch of mysteries that are going on. Um, that yeah. that, it, it, that chapter's paced really well because just like the consecutive gauntlet of fight after fight after fight could get very repetitive, but uh, they they very smartly paced that chapter. Um, Plus,
1: that chapter introduces my favorite partner, which is Yoshi.
0: I was. That was my next question: was who is your favorite partner?
1: Yoshi, by far.
0: Um Yoshi is going to be god. I'm going to have to say Yoshi is my third favorite partner. Wow, um, third yeah, favorite. He's he's Holy. Crap. Well, I love him mechanically because uh if you were doing what I was saying a second ago, um if you upgrade the partner attack and um uh there's a couple other badges you can do to boost partner attack power. His just normal attack gets so busted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that thing is awesome. Yeah, you can do like f- between like fifteen and twenty damage uh, with just his normal yeah. attack. Which, not to
1: mention his special attack, gulp can yeah. like swallow yeah. whole. You know, yeah. impenetrable defense on enemies. Uh,
0: he's very good in combat and out of combat. His special ability just lets Mario walk faster, which is nice. Um, which is
1: very important to me. Mm-hmm. Which I will dive. I will. Uh, go more into detail on that later
0: um okay uh well hold that thought and i'll ask you uh, what that is Uh, i'm gonna say my favorite partner is actually the first one you get goombella i really okay I, i like goombella uh specifically because i enjoy listening i don't know how much how often you used her um yes her in battle ability which gives you a little information on each enemy and reveals their hp Um, very useful yes which is it's just nice to know because that also sticks which I love that in this game because a lot of games I did enjoy that specifically like the Final Fantasy series a lot of other RPGs when you use like I don't know in that series it's like analyze or scan or whatever you can see what the enemy's HP is but then it just disappears like there's no um, persistent indicator of what their current and max HP is in Paper Mario once you figure out what their HP is their current and max HP always stays on the screen even in the next battle when you encounter that same type of enemy the hp meter mm-hmm. still stays there which is i love that that's very good which makes her ability it's, very useful
1: it's almost like you're unlocking like that uh the bestiary yeah you know codex yeah. kind of a thing for each enemy that you exactly
0: encounter. well i don't know if you noticed that but there is literally a bestiary um there's it's it, I it, don't know. I don't know. yeah it's it's actually somewhere in the menu it has um all oh. of her different what, what is it tattle it has all of tattle, her yeah it has a list of each enemy you, you've tattled on and what their hp is yeah. and then she gives you a little strategy sometimes on like hey maybe you should hammer this guy jump on this guy use some items yeah. or you know s- stuff like that yeah
1: I, I i'd say she's probably like like my third favorite uh, cause just for that ability mm-hmm. but like oftentimes i would just uh use her to scan an enemy i hadn't seen before mm-hmm. and then just put her away mm-hmm. until the next one
0: yeah Uh, Well, the other thing I like about her is if you use her tattle ability outside of battle, you get some flavor text on, like, the current um, place you are in, uh, Mm -hmm. the current setting, or if you use it next to an NPC, she'll actually give you flavor text on the NPC, uh, which uh, often results in a lot of dumb jokes, but um, uh, there's a lot of, like, fourth wall breaking stuff in there, too, which, uh, I don't know, I I enjoyed that a lot. It's... uh, she is often uh aware that she is a video game character uh in a video game mm-hmm. specifically in the Mario series. It's it's you very You know, good. I
1: totally forgot about that ability on her. Yeah. The whole time I was thinking everyone else has an ability but except her. <laughs> outside of combat. <laughs> no, it's it's but all... I totally forgot about that. Well, I
0: mean, um unless you get like stuck in a dungeon or something it's it's usually yeah. not practical. It's usually just for Can you tattle
1: tests. out of combat? Can you tattle on uh what's his name, the X-Not guy? that is in disguise when you're on the island
0: yes yes that's that's one of the fourth ball wall breaking she's like apparently this guy's name is four eyes or something like that she's like i don't i don't remember seeing this guy earlier like where did this guy come from or whatever
1: because uh, i know he turns to the camera and says like yes. you playing hey, the you game. in front of the tv yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. don't tell mario yeah. and they're like what yeah,
0: yeah. um <laughs> yeah it's good i love just cheeky stuff like that i don't know that gets me Um, second
1: favorite chapter with also some mystery was the train i love the train uh, chapter
0: train Um, ride also good i could actually take or leave the like detective penguin guy like he was fine but um i i i think what really makes that chapter work for me is the setting uh just i like the like train being on a train and solving a mystery which um I, I, okay, so here's classic. Here's something. Yeah, I love that setting. Here's something I've noticed after playing through this game four or five times now. Uh, a lot of the chapters, like the level layout, is very confined and small. Right, um, which is true of like the wrestling chapter specifically, because I mean, basically all, all it is is just the wrestling ring. That's it. Um, it's right. it's true of the train chapter, with the with the exception of that station that you stop and get out on like the whole right. chapter just takes place on on the train basically but, but it, it's true of some of the other chapters as well like think of like um specifically the the jungle chapter and like the spooky um twilight the
1: castle thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah what they do in those chapters I hated that chapter. really uh was that
1: well just uh, keep going okay
0: uh, cuz what they do in those chapters is they kind of have you walk from one end to the map to the other and then back and forth and back and forth for arbitrary reasons. Uh, yes. And like that can feel really, really repetitive. But, um, so repetitive. Yeah, and because you're, you're going through the same layout and you're seeing the same enemies over and over again. I think the secret of why the train chapter and the wrestling chapter work so well is is they're kind of playing with the limited level layout like as an advantage like how can we write a a compelling story and make this a compelling setting like use this use our small level to our advantage rather than like uh, just coming up with like just arbitrary reasons like oh let's just march them from one end of the map to the other to like arbitrarily lengthen the chapter out you know.
1: For instance, one of my favorite parts of the uh, Gladiator chapter, uh, was it chapter three? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Was that as you climb in rank, you move from the minor leagues to the major leagues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then as you go outside to, you know, get some package delivered by the secret X person, Mm -hmm. the crowd suddenly, like, like it changes. Like, one, one time you walk out... And the current reigning champion is out there, and there's like a huge crowd of people mm-hmm. uh, swarming like the lobby area, mm-hmm. and you have to try to like you know swim through them. Another time, you come out every time you talk to the father and son just outside the the door, mm-hmm. they like slowly give you a little bit more credit. And like the the guy taking photos and signatures and stuff, or um, interviewing the the contestants at first is like, ah, oh, you're nobody, Gonzalez, right? So yeah you know but then as you climb up he's like hey hey you know what's your favorite candy bar or whatever and it's just you're you're walking around the same area over and over but the the environment is changing slightly and the way people react to you is changing slightly yeah. um that was well yeah. done for a limited. yeah that,
0: that game does like the little touches really well like and that's what makes yeah. that's what i think makes those chapters work so well is like yeah. they're using all that stuff to their advantage uh, i also liked um there's a couple of times where a character will finish speaking and then immediately resume speaking. Like his text box will go away and then Mario will kind of walk off and then they'll be like, Oh, and one more thing like, and then their text box will come back on and like Mario will act surprised or whatever. I love like little stuff like that. Just the little things are so good. Um, Because like (laughs) no other game does that. Like if they want that character to keep speaking, like that's just another line of text in that text bubble. Like, you know, it's, right. it's just oh, yeah, it's very true. cheeky with the way i don't know it's good it's very good yeah.
1: that that kind of stuff i like like if you stand in front of the door when the uh the guys ask like calling coming in to grab yeah, you for the and mario fight, will
0: jump out of the way yeah
1: <laughs> jumps out of the way Whoa, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. little little things you don't expect yeah. like that are, are definitely cool. the, the little but that so so all that talk about traveling back and forth in, in some of the maps that kind of speaks to one of my biggest issues with this uh-huh. game, which is uh travel
0: Okay,
1: yeah. Which is why Yoshi is my favorite partner. It's <laughs> uh-huh. because, God damn it, I hate walking in this game. And there's no... For the entire first half of the game, there's no way to fast travel. And then when they do add a fast travel, it's like under the sewers that you can only get to this specific area after you get your upgraded hammer. And you just get two tunnels that take you to two spots of the whole world. Mm-hmm. And then until you get like the next tier of... I, I just there's a whole uh, thing with like side quests so, where you can go back to other worlds and everything. I never did. I never did any of that. Okay, because I was.
0: I, well, I was going to interject there. Um, for, first of all, yes, Mario's like walk speed is slow. Like it's almost God. annoyingly slow. I'm so slow. But the second thing, there is no need in this game for a fast travel system, except if you're doing those little side quest things uh cuz those side quest things will be like okay go back to this city and do this one thing you know, the, the this previous town that you visited earlier in the game go back here talk to this guy whatever i don't think the problem is necessarily that there is not a fast travel system in this game the problem i think is how like just obviously um uh, annoying <laughs> those side quests are because <laughs> it'll be like yeah. hey go to this one random town talk to this guy now go to another random town that's like totally on the opposite side of the map and talk to this guy and it, oh, it, it just it just feels like they did that almost knowingly annoyingly just like blatantly uh, just to just stretch out the length of the game or something or to make you travel as Far as possible, like some of those side quest things, just, just ugh. I don't know. They're they're not good.
1: My favorite part of each chapter was when you put this the uh, the the crystal star mm-hmm. over in front of the door, and then you would get the map update, yep. and then they would fast travel to to the doctor guy. <laughs>
0: yep, yep. <laughs> like that was amazing
1: every time. I was like, oh, that's so great! I don't have to walk that. Every time. I, like Every time it came, I was expecting it, and I was still mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised every single time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to argue that the problem is not the fast travel system. The problem is those side quests, because without those side quests, you wouldn't really have a reason. I don't know,
1: man, because the, the Twilight chapter, yep. like, I would have loved that Twilight world. That was such a cool premise yep. if it wasn't for the fact that I had to walk to that goddamn yeah, castle you, five yeah, times yeah
0: you have to walk back and forth to that steeple like and and know. in the
1: jungle there's like that one part there's no way to avoid the stupid plants yeah, i yep. that was the first time i fleed i fleed every yep. single flight yeah yeah, fight. yeah, yeah. yeah those plants definitely uh, get annoying I, I mean just fast travel me to the castle like, like I don't <laughs> but
0: know. I, I i think like you don't need a fast travel system in that instance either i think you just need a better level layout like you need to plan the levels a little Man. better like you don't want the,
1: the island was a similar problem yes the island, exactly the level. Yep.
0: you don't want Jesus. your you don't want your players walking back and forth between the same thing over and over again encountering the same enemies like like y- yeah. you gotta build build your dungeon a little smarter like I think some of the best dungeons actually I think one of the better dungeons is actually in the jungle like once you get in the cave like that dungeon was good I thought yeah. um I actually... My least favorite chapter is chapter two. I just... There's just nothing interesting about that chapter. Uh,
1: <laughs> is was that, that... Which one is that? Chap- the Twilight no, one?
0: No, chapter two is the one with the, like, little things in the tree.
1: Oh, uh, I...
0: Yeah, uh, that chapter just kind of puts me to sleep. Um, but, uh, I mean, that dungeon is kind of tedious, but it's laid out well in that you're never... Um, trace, you're never like backtracking and going over the same enemies in the same locations. Like you're always like moving forward in that dungeon. I think that's it. That's I, like, it. I like
1: the dungeon design. Yeah. yeah, I like the dungeon design.
0: That's what makes those those um, like specifically the jungle and the twilight chapters feel bad. Is because you're not like moving forward and seeing new things and seeing new enemies. You're seeing the same locations in the same enemies that you saw like four times yeah. already. It, it yeah, makes over it. Over. It just drills in how repetitive that, that, that those things are. Yeah,
1: I felt like there were more chapters like that yeah. than there were chapters that weren't. Like the the the, <laughs> me. the Pikmin chapter, the chapter two. Yeah, you know, that one's no good. Our oh, that one's still kind of bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, the really the only to, to me like the ones that didn't, the ones that did the best job at avoiding that were the 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 train and the and the. Uh, gladiator chapters but then which, I, those which were,
0: ironically those are the two that have no dungeon at <laughs> all The most repetitive yeah
1: exactly yeah so it just seems like all of the ones with dungeons are with like path uh, it was just yeah it was rough yeah it was rough, that aspect
0: of yeah it. some of the level design is not great um yeah. i am i'm gonna strongly disagree with you on the story but the, no we're, we're on the same page with the level design not not real great it well it hit, it's yeah. hit and miss some is passable and some is bad
1: i'll tell you this much the story almost fully redeemed itself to me uh-huh when near the end uh i think was it the the detective guy keeps thinking that you're Luigi? <laughs> yes yeah that was almost almost redeem worthy like that was so funny by the me. way
0: did you know did why. you notice that in every single chapter there is somebody who misidentifies mario <laughs> that's that's like it's <laughs> no. a running gag throughout the game. So in it... in the first town the mayor the like hard of hearing mayor calls you um Marty I think.
1: Uh Oh yeah, well I've seen that yeah yeah an old elderly person. Yeah. Or he that. calls yeah. you Murphy.
0: He calls you Murphy. The second
1: Murphy. Yeah, Marty is the elderly. Yeah, the second thing. is
0: the like elderly puny guy. He calls you Marty O. Uh in the third chapter yeah. you're called the great gonzales. Nobody calls you Mario. <laughs> And the
1: yeah, uh, I, do, I like that running gag. I like yeah. That in go the go, fourth
0: like. chapter, your identity literally gets stolen, uh, so people just recognize you as a shadow, and they recognize somebody else as Mario. Spoiler alert on that yeah. chapter, I guess. Uh, the fifth yeah. chapter, they call you Captain Stash. Uh, <laughs> the sixth chapter, that's the train one, right? You're Luigi. Yeah. Uh, the seventh chapter. Maybe it doesn't happen in the last chapter, but uh, yeah, in, in every in every other chapter, you're some dumb name, not Mario. I don't know. Oh, we whoa, we talked about that game for a while. Any other thoughts on Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door?
1: Uh, it was overall pretty good. I would say that it's an underrated game.
0: All right. Well, speaking of underrated games, our top five this episode is going to be our top five favorite underrated, underappreciated uh undervalued video games uh you you want me to start uh i Uh. think you did you start last time i honestly could not tell you
1: i feel like you did let me start this one all right you do it i'm so excited about this list
0: all right here we go yeah this is a very valuable list of of all of the top five lists we've done I think this one's really valuable because
1: these these games are all very close to me. They're very near dear. Yeah, these
0: these are the games we want to be the torchbearers for. Just like, hey, look at these games; they're great. Not a lot of other people have looked at these games.
1: Now, I don't know how you thought of the rating, but the way I thought about it was in terms of literally like the gap between the actual rating of this game to the way I rate it. So that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a great game; Mm -hmm. just that it's highly underrated for what it is the way i took sense? that
0: criteria yes that totally makes sense and it is great that's fine uh the way i interpreted the criteria was uh literally games that are like overlooked like a lot of my games i don't think uh people will have ever played before uh right and they just don't get talked about that much they don't get like yeah uh yeah anyway so i mean yeah. that's
1: that's that's mostly my games too i'm just giving that caveat because some of them are overlooked, and yet also, like, when people play them, we're going to be like, well, there's a reason this is overlooked. But I think it's because these games are overlooked, because they're, but they're really good. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. All right, so starting with number five, yep. uh, we talked about strategy games a little bit, I think, on the last episode or recently. I don't remember. Um, and this one it was not really mentioned. Uh, it is a Lord of the Rings game, and it oh. is a real-time strategy game called The Battle for Middle-Earth. Is a oh. series. Actually, I think okay. there's multiple Battle for Middle-Earths. Uh, this game was odd in that I never saw any marketing for it or like never really knew anybody who played it. I don't think it had online play, maybe it did, but like it wasn't well known at all. But I picked it up, um, and it was a great campaign strategy game, you know, a la kind of Starcraft, uh, you know, playing through the campaign, but of course, taking place in Lord of the Rings. You know, lore and Middle Earth, and if you were a Lord of the Rings fan, it was great. Graphics were uh, really impressive at that time. Mm-hmm. The campaign was, and of course, the stories went well. I mean, how can you mess up a J.R.R. Tolkien story? So, um, the balance uh, of the units and stuff was was fairly balanced. I think if there was a multiplayer um, side of the game, it probably maybe was unbalanced, and maybe that why it wasn't that popular. But uh, for the single player campaign that that game was uh, it was worth a playthrough battle for middle earth
0: nice um very nice my number five um so 2017 was a pretty busy year for video games and i think that's one of the reasons this kind of flew under the radar is it came out at a very busy time uh for video games um this is a horror game it is called mm-hmm. stories untold um, it is um, sort of a, a first-person narrative horror game, and it is actually a collection of four or five shorter horror games that sort of connect in some ways to make up a uh, larger overarching story. Um, and one of the things, all five of these horror games that are under this banner, under this collection called Stories Untold. Uh, one of these things they all have in common is they're all um, a little bit meta. Uh, they're all... Um, they all kind of use the the medium of video games uh, in, in unique ways. Uh, they're all... They all kind of assume that you have played... Uh, games like this before maybe not horror games like this but they they use the the shared medium of just video game experience uh, and they kind of screw with you in some ways Um, I don't know how to be any more specific without ruining (laughs) some of the really cool things that this game does but um, if you're down for a little bit of a spooky time, uh, try Stories Untold okay
1: Stories untold my number four uh, is like what we talk about near and dear to my heart mm-hmm. I played way too much of this game I don't think I think most people have not have, will, will not have played this game and I I'm, that's one of the things that is like my caveat because like, I'm not sure how many people would actually like this game but I think it's heavily underrated the game is called Kengo master of Bushido
0: Ooh. What kind of game is this? I've I've not heard of this.
1: The game was for the PS2. I think there was also some sequels later released um, on other consoles. It was, at its root, uh, a basic fighting game. But what it did differently, uh, kind of Tekken-style, like Virtual Fighter, kind of like the 3D arena. Mm 3D Fighter. Um, Right, 3D Fighter. What it did differently was the only weapon and the only thing that any of the characters had was a sword a katana blade you know and it was highly highly thematic in the in the realm of realistic samurai uh oh uh, i know the game
0: you're, yes okay i know what you're talking about okay. yep, yep, yep 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 in
1: between so you would start out um at like basically ground zero like you don't, you don't know any special moves you know you're kind of slow actually like your character was slowed down you know was felt, he felt weighty, you know, mm-hmm. and all of your attacks were pretty weak. And you would have like a, a wooden, it's called a boken, a wooden practice sword. And you would choose a dojo and you'd have a master. You'd see him every once in a while. And in between your fights, you would actually have to like meditate by a waterfall or chop, chop uh, bamboo or like balance shit on your forehead. I don't know. And it would increase your like varying statistics. Like, I don't know, your balance or your dexterity or your strength or whatever. Uh, so, so as you did that in between bouts of wooden practice swords, your, your character would move faster. He'd get stronger. And then only like once there's like a date and time to it, like a date system. So after like a year of practicing, you'd go to a tournament and in the tournaments you used real swords. So it was like, so most of the game you're fighting with practice swords that just make little thud sounds and everyone's kicking your ass. And mm-hmm. then as you get stronger, you feel like that that progression, you know, you feel it. And then you would get to go to a tournament with a real sword, and suddenly, in one hit, you would slash a guy's throat and he'd be gushing blood. <laughs> and it was like, whoa, like, this just escalated very quickly because I was using wooden swords and people were just getting knocked out, you know? Mm-hmm. And now I'm I'm slicing guys in half. So it was this cool kind of jarring, you know, like, reality check. Like, holy sh- like you can die now, you know? uh and the progression system and everything was really was really neat to this day to this day i've yet to find a game that makes me feel more like a samurai than that game did
0: yeah i was gonna say that sounds very on theme for you this uh Bushido <laughs> so, Blade, yeah.
1: so on theme for me mm-hmm. yeah and the combat was you know not over the top like i can jump around and you know flip around and, and 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 do this crazy stuff it was just it's probably why a lot of people maybe didn't like it it was very slow it was very like about blocking with your you know timing your blocks and and mm-hmm. just getting one whack in there you know and to most people that probably feels really slow but to me it felt very uh you know somewhat grounded in realism so very awesome game there's been a cult following to that series that really like begged for um a sequel to be released on the next gen consoles but i think it's yet to happen so
0: We'll nice that. my number four is also a uh, a horror a, it's not a horror game but it is a horror themed game uh, this is a visual novel game called 999 nine hours oh, yeah nine persons nine doors so um
1: i I wish i thought of this one for my list
0: (laughs) uh yeah uh this is this is uh this is a good one this is actually the first part of a trilogy so if you really enjoy this game there are two sequels to it um sort of the pitch for this game is that uh you wake up uh you're trapped in a room uh you don't know how you got there you don't know why you're here um But uh, eventually you realize that you're, uh, you're, you escape from the room eventually. And then you realize that you're trapped in basically a large facility with eight other people. So there's nine people in total. And you're all trapped in here together. And uh, you, you quickly realize that this is like a death game. So think like Saw. So think like, uh think like an anime visual novel of saw um because uh one of the other things you realize is that um uh, it is revealed that somebody imprisoned the nine of you in in this facility uh and it is believed that that person is one of the nine people uh playing these death games so one of the people in your group is not who they say they are um so it's sort of a um there there are some light puzzles in that game there's a little bit of um I don't know v- very uh, light puzzles but uh the, the the majority of of that game is a visual novel so it's um reading the story making some decisions about what uh you want your character to do what uh you know who you think is suspicious, who you want to ally and, and with. And your
1: choices matter, too.
0: Yes, absolutely. Your choices uh, have a very big impact on the story in this game. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, Anime Saw. Uh, it's a good game. <laughs> 999. Game.
1: That's a very good game. Good choice. I like that. Uh, probably the most impressive part of that game was that it was on a Nintendo system.
0: Yes. It was, uh, really it was originally it? on the Nintendo DS. It is actually, you can buy... All three of um, what is known as the Zero Escape Trilogy. You can buy all three Mm -hmm. of those games on Steam now.
1: Nice. I've yet to play the third one, so I might have to do that.
0: It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) All all three of those games are flawed, but I didn't really want to get into discussing all their flaws. That's fine. They're worth a playthrough, though. They're they're flawed, but worth a playthrough.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: If it sounds interesting.
1: So, I have a little bit of a dilemma.
0: Okay, what's your dilemma?
1: I feel like my top three I can say in any order. Okay. Um,
0: you want me to roll a die here?
1: You know, I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna move what I had as number three. I'm gonna move that to number one. Oh,
0: oh, oh, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Right an now. audible. So here we go.
1: On, on audible on the fly. So I'm gonna have a new number three. Okay. What's my your new number, number three? three uh, is uh, this is a game that was released I think in the early 2000s. Had a lot to do with free running and parkour uh oh, nice. but a little bit more well done than uh, Michael Scott in the office the game was called Mirror's Edge nice and uh, it was interesting because it was a first person game that had parkour and free running and that's kind of a weird concept because i don't know like normally you kind of have to have a zoomed out you know almost like like a 2d left to right Mm -hmm. game style was better because then if you have a gap of like rooftops coming up you can more easily see hey there's a jump that i have to do next you know especially when it's fast-paced and moving but the animation and and they'd used um a mechanic of sort of highlighting obstacles that you can jump on Mm -hmm. to get to like the next uh you know wall or over the next gap or um, that they they used color in in a way um to guide the player Mm -hmm. over the kind of parkour uh, aspects of the game so that was very well done and the they also threw in some hand-to-hand combat in there and i'm a big martial arts fan too so that's a good way to win me over Uh, the story was good i
0: think (laughs) Uh (laughs) uh-huh
1: but mostly it was about like the really cool free running uh i don't know i guess you know we talked about like kind of trope trope tropey things before and cliche things so it had a lot of that within the writing which is probably why a lot of people may may not have liked the story uh but i mean it, it has a great ending it's just kind of difficult uh, going through with it i think all the way through uh just because it it can be a little like on the boring side as far as the actual story but the the levels themselves are designed with really cool almost like a puzzle system where where you have to find a way to the top of this level by free running and you're in a 3D pers- first person perspective so mm-hmm that can be challenging. And um, yeah, it was full of challenging gameplay and exciting uh, stuff and techno music. So it was really fun.
0: What did you think of the sequel? Garbage. Well, okay.
1: (laughs) Pure Um, garbage. All right,
0: moving on. (laughs) (laughs) They, They
1: made it like the sequel. Don't play the sequel people. If you play the first mirror's edge, you'll love it. I think. And if you play the sequel, you'll think, why did I spend, you know, five hours of my life even trying this game? It was like, they took i don't know they took this the idea of mirror's edge and they turned it into this like open world thing Mm -hmm. but it wasn't really open world it was just like take a slice out of an open world and that's your open world like so and then just kind of repetitive quests back to your hub it was i don't know and then the story was not it was bad don't play the secret (laughs) that's my that's my advice
0: all right well fair enough um yeah all right. Well, um, my number three is a game called The Beginner's Guide. What? It is called The Beginner's Guide. It is um created uh, mostly by just one person. Uh, his name is Davey Reedon. If you recognize that name, it is probably because you have played his much more popular and well-known uh, game that he co-created called The Stanley Parable. Uh, The Beginner's Guide is a sort... Well, I mean, it's the next game he released after uh, The Stanley Parable. Uh, And gameplay-wise, it's sort of the same. Um, It's the... I don't know, whatever... I guess it's whatever people call uh, a walking simulator, but um, it's it's a first-person narrative exploration game, I suppose. Um, But the tone of the game... Could not be more different. Ah, oh, God, how do you describe the Stanley Parable? I don't know. I guess I guess you don't have to because it's not the game we're talking about. Um,
1: yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair, but it is difficult to describe.
0: Uh, the Beginner's Guide is like Stanley Parable, but like this is not a joke, fun time game. Um, this is a pretty serious game. Uh, it still uses it. It's it's actually about video games. It's about um, level design in a lot of ways. Um, it's kind of a uh, one-part walkthrough of a particular designer's choices when they make levels, and then it's also kind of a reflection on that specific person and how how you can infer things about the level if you know that person and sort of vice versa um inferring things about that person and their experiences by playing levels that they've designed but it's also kind of about the danger of doing that it's a it's a very Hmm. complicated game it's about creating games and it has some really um heavy and serious topics it is not jokey like the stanley parable is right um all right. It is very good, though. It um, it is just a very different experience than the Stanley Parable.
1: From what it, from what it sounds like, I can see why that game is underrated.
0: I, I think it's underrated doubly, right? Because like, not a lot of people, not a lot of like, whatever, quote unquote, gamers are into like. Oh. Um, these like game design, and stuff. Are, well, they're not yeah. into game design, but they're not into like these narrative experiences, like that's true like, too. Right. Like yeah. gone yeah. home, like the Stanley Parable. A lot of indie games. There's, right. there's been a lot of like indie and games people
1: do over game jams that are yeah. like super depressing, and, and it's
0: and... <laughs> yeah, and it's in. An, and, uh, yes and it's an indie game and i mean it is a follow-up to a very successful indie game but it is a huge pivot away from that indie game so a lot of people who are fans of the stanley parable may have immediately <laughs> rejected the beginner's guide because it's not more yeah. funny jokes um but like, it's what is this yes, garbage? exactly man. but it's still really really good definitely worth your time if any of what i described sounds interesting the beginner's guide by davy reaton
1: my number two we getting close here uh is quite possibly uh the game for which i've spent the most online hours playing oh damn in my entire history of gaming wow uh there it is the sequel of a game series uh it's the second in the series and there's a third one in development it has been in development for like seven years the game is called mountain blade mount and blade nice
0: nice i was wondering if this would be on your list
1: Oh, for sure. Uh, super underrated game, man. This game you can often find for like five bucks on Steam sales. Mm-hmm. Um, the single player aspect of the game uh, leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> There's not really a whole lot to it. It's kind of like a tactical you know, strategy game where you kind of recruit people and try to take over the map. Uh, but when you get into your battles, they're uh, a third person almost like hack and slashy thing but where you have to actually think about what you're doing. You can't just hit a button and swing and attack. Mm-hmm. There is directional input for your attacks as well as your blocks. So, And this is like a medieval-themed game. Mm-hmm. So you're swinging your sword, and you have to be mindful of whether you're if you're swinging from the left, is your opponent blocking that direction, and you can feint and attack and attack from a different way, all this stuff. It all sounds very cool, but the game is developed by, like, three dudes in a garage in Finland or something. Uh, so, v- graphically, it's really not, it's really, really, like, nothing impressive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the the next game in, this, in the series has been in development for like seven years. Like, these guys, you know, are trying their best to get a, a new, updated, sort of, graphically impressive version of the game out there. And it takes a while when it's, you know, just a couple of dudes. Yep. Um but has sort of a cult following online. Uh the online gameplay is just that 3D battle aspect of it. No um overhead map or strategy or that. It's just like arena combat, but it's one of those things where the competitive nature of it is really really good because you can die in one hit and if you can survive long uh in in a in a match, you know, like literally the community is so small that people know people who are really good you know uh you, mm. you feel yourself get mm. better better at the game as you practice it's like mechanically challenging so mm-hmm. um yeah you can you can get lost if you can put up with dying a lot in that game you can get lost in the progression of yourself as you as you yourself get better uh build your reflexes and stuff and get better at that at the online playing that
0: game uh i've only played that game just a little bit but it feels like it feels like a new type of genre like it it's like sure an arena fighting game like because like most fighters are you know 2v2 or 2v2 or 1v1 or whatever like this is just a big like free-for-all but the gameplay is um i mean it's technical like a fighting game but it it has a lot of the same elements i i I would say that anyway
1: sure i I would agree with that it reminds me of a fighting game in that there's certain mechanics, like in Smash Brothers, when you when people found out about wave dashing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, there's certain mechanics that were kind of accidentally found out. Like fainting is really just attacking and quickly blocking within a few frames after you start attacking, mm-hmm. and it cancels out your attack, but you can immediately attack again after. Uh, so it's like it's almost like I, you know maybe it was programmed that way, or maybe people just kind of figured it out. Uh, and there's other mechanics that I, I won't go into further, but. It's like they take practice and they they almost are very nuanced. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. obvious. Uh, And the gameplay lends itself to almost like a fighting game where even in a crowd of 20 people, you'll wind up in like a 1v1 situation where you're like, I have to kill this dude in front of me. Mm -hmm. And then I can move on to trying to capture the objective with my my buddies. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you get these little kind of mini duels within the larger scale battle and stuff. It's really cool
0: uh that was mountain blade warband right yes mountain blade warband um uh, my number two um also came out last year 2017 um uh it is probably not it's probably a little more well known than stories untold but i still think this game gets overlooked a lot because a it's another first person exploration game walking simulator whatever you want to call it uh and b it just came out in a very crowded time for games so um a lot of people were playing other things, and they did not play What Remains of Edith Finch. Um, have, did you, man, have you played you're, this?
1: you're throwing out some titles I just have never heard of, man. Well,
0: they're uh, overlooked. Um, yeah. You haven't even heard of What Remains of Edith Finch? No. Wow, perfect. All right, well. Um,
1: tell me. Tell me about this game.
0: It is another, um, um, whatever, first-person exploration game. Um You play uh, as a young girl who uh, is returning to uh, the house she grew up in. Um, it's a story um, It's a very emotional game. It's a story about um, family and um, death. Uh, because uh, she has a lot of memories of, like, her childhood home and of the people she grew up with, and a lot of them are now dead. So she's just kind of recounting um, these different family members and, like, their stories and, like, how that impacted her, how that impacted uh, some of the other members of the family. It's basically a story about um, this big family and... um how death affects a family and how um, how different family members uh, react to stuff like that. Um, one of mm, the cool sounds things... Sounds deep. It is. it is. There's a lot to chew on in this game. Um, one of the really, really cool things this game does is um, kind of when the main character, her name is Edith Finch, um, so the game is called What Remains of Edith Finch, uh, when you're playing as Edith, you're kind of exploring the house. When you find... Something that reminds Edith of one of her family members. She'll kind of go into this recollection. Um, But each recollection is uh, mechanically and stylistically completely different um, from the last. So, um, for instance, uh, let me think of an example. So, one of the family members she remembers was like a child actress. And, uh, she was very famous for, uh, as a child actress, uh, she was famous for being in horror movies. Uh, so that whole chapter when Edith is recalling this family member's story, it's told in like this like graphic novel, like really stylized looking, uh, like comic booky style that kind of, um... Uh, meshes really well with like that family family member's personality uh yeah really really cool game um what remains of edith finch very good very very good
1: i might have to check that one out you should okay <clears throat> my number one. Oh, is... here we go this is this pretty the, much the main reason what this what, is
0: the one that moved up from three right this is this is yeah a big, this is the one wow, this okay, is the one I audible to the yeah. top yeah. Wow, just we as go. we talked here we go
1: um, this is pretty much the reason that I gave that caveat at the beginning like so far I think most of the ones I talked about you know are respectable on their they stand on their own as underrated games like if you anybody were to go try this these games so far mm-hmm. you know they're, they're pretty good um, this one that's questionable but I do think, <laughs> I do think that in terms of just the gap between what it's actually rated and what it actually felt like to play this game, is large. You know, it's it's it's, it's underrated for what it is. You have to be very drunk, I think, to really enjoy this
0: game. <laughs> oh no, okay.
1: But you and I were not drunk though when we played this game, mm-hmm. and yet it was probably one of the most fun like sit downs of cooperative gameplay Oh uh, my cooperative god i know what this split, is split <laughs> split screen games i played with a friend in you know the last 20 years of my life uh-huh. uh the game was a downloadable game yes, for it the was. xbox 360 it
0: sure was
1: i'm not sure if you can find this game otherwise i doubt it <laughs> um it's out there though you know it has a very rating on ign I'm, I'm sure you can find it the game is called the deadliest warrior two
0: (laughs) and yes that is a tie-in to what that was a spike tv show right
1: i think something like that i had to do with kind of like uh pulling out some people from history that you know were known for combat or something and then um kind of recreating what their weapons would have looked like and stuff it feels it feels like the
0: type of thing that would have been on spike tv
1: yeah um the game uh was you know it came out on xbox 360 and ps3 i guess apparently around 2010 uh so it's not that long ago you Mm -hmm. know and uh it was a fighting game again another kind of uh, uh, 3d fighter Mm uh (laughs) in which you you chose you know each of the players you know you could like fight split screen so that's the best way i recommend playing it get your best friend have a few shots Pick a character. <laughs> They're basically like you know one of many historical characters. Like, uh, was it William Wallace? Uh huh. Um, Vlad the Impaler. Here yep. you can you can go ahead and put in a snippet of Vlad's intro in yep. the game. What was it <laughs> he like just sipped from the from the chalice? Oh like,
0: my god, I forgot about that. <laughs>
1: um, the game is super super cheesy. There's yes. like voiceover effects that like were so laughable. But the best part, the best part. Is it was so gory, mm-hmm. and you could you could <laughs> just like chop someone's leg off, and they'd still be alive. And then you could chop their other leg off, and they'd still be alive. And we couldn't figure out like how to even kill each other. But then other <laughs> times, you would shoot like a bow and hit someone in the head, and they would die right away. So it was just oh man, the, the game was just pure unadulterated fun.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was very silly fun. Yes
1: so silly and so fun there really is not a lot of depth to it and this is really more of a gag number one than it is a real number one but um i think if any two people were to play that game i don't know how they walk out of that room without just full of giggles yes like we were yeah
0: i don't know so. how much staying power it has but it, it's it's good <laughs> it's good as a novelty sure uh it's it's a good it's a good fun time Oh, man. all right uh oh wait i haven't given my number one um as now, you that's your turn sir. as you may have already guessed my number one is paper mario the thousand year Door. the whole reason oh, we right. we had this list um uh don't listen to leo don't do it um although i'm glad this is the first time we got to disagree um i think this is one of the um uh, most this is one of the best written best uh translated best localization jobs uh i've seen on a video game the uh the text is is uh it's it's punchy it's jokey it's silly it's It's uh it's it is it is long it is absolutely long uh so if you don't like reading um stay away from this uh i I like reading
1: i'll mention that in a moment but i do like (laughs) reading it's just has to be good reading
0: Oh, uh, this is very good reading. Um uh yeah, don't don't listen to Leo. This is this is a an extremely well written uh story, especially if, if you like something very lighthearted, very um uh very fun, uh just kind of um uh, and a little bit self-aware uh, is the story. Hmm. Uh, really good characters, uh, mostly really good setting. Uh, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's fun to uh, to go on a big RPG adventure in the Mario universe, especially when the universe is skewed a little bit edgier than you would expect for a Mario game. Um,
1: bup, 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 bup. Uh, endorse some stuff and get let's out of here.
0: Endorse some stuff and get out of here. We're running long again.
1: All right, cool. Uh, well, speaking of long-winded reading and I am an avid reader actually uh-huh. uh, my endorsement is my favorite book series of all time it's called Whoa. The Wheel of Time but did I already did I endorse this? Uh,
0: you might have talked about it I can't remember if you actually endorsed it
1: I don't think I actually endorsed it yet. if I did let me know I'll do a re-recording of what I endorsed
0: <laughs> but okay.
1: my endorsement is The Wheel of Time by Robert Jordan uh, it is um, unnecessarily long there are fourteen <laughs> books in this series, and they're all about as long as the Bible. But oh, okay. But no, that's I mean, they're all like a thousand pages. But it is a very good series. Um, it is somewhere along the same vein of like Game of Thrones. If you really like that show and the books that it's based off, The Song of Ice and Fire. Um, a lot of people who recommend uh, who recommended Song of Ice and Fire to me after I read Wheel of Time, you know, they said like if you liked Wheel of Time you'd like you know the Game of Thrones books so you know it's somewhere along the same vein it's in a Tolkien-esque you know um, but it's a little bit more unique in how magic works in, the, in that uh, in that world and and mm-hmm. the fact that it's about the Wheel of Time there are references to present day as an ancient time in the, how it takes place in that book. Like in the book, everything is swords and, you know, horses and all that. And they talk about this ancient time where they reference things that sound a whole lot like electricity and airplanes and cars. Um, but it's because time is a wheel, you know? So things that are ancient are also things that were like, you know, once in the future. I guess it's kind of hard to describe. Mm. Um, okay. uh, there's actually a TV series uh, in now, it's in a writing process now um it is going to be has been picked up by amazon to, uh to be kind of like a spearheaded in their amazon uh you know how netflix is doing like netflix original series mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah. A- mm-hmm. amazon is trying to pick up on that for the for prime viewers so it will be on amazon prime if you find yourself with plenty, plenty of time uh give this book a shot
0: nice um I have another uh, weirdly specific endorsement, Um, and it might be possible that your um, living space or your uh, whatever, your architecture will not allow for this, but I am going to endorse hooking up your PC in your living room or entertainment center. Uh, And this is especially if you have a gaming PC, and play a lot of games. Um, I did this, um, oh boy, maybe six or seven years ago, I hooked my PC up um, to my TV in my living room uh, and just played, I I hooked up like an Xbox controller and just played games like on the couch. I was like, wow, this is really great because I get the power of my PC, but I get the relaxation of my couch and my large screen TV also at the same time uh the same i have,
1: reason people play consoles in the living room right i mean
0: yes but the pc has the added benefit of it, if you have a gaming pc it's probably more powerful than your console but also you can use it as also like double it as an entertainment center so right. for instance like um if you don't have a smart tv or other streaming device which is probably a A minority of people most people have a streaming box hooked up to their tv but the nice thing um your pc can do is it uh, has a keyboard so um like searching for stuff on youtube goes faster hulu uh twitch twitch is really nice uh especially when like these um speed running marathons come around it's really nice to watch them on a on a big screen tv um because i've noticed a lot of um like uh, so my smart TV doesn't have a Twitch app, uh, which sucks, which which would suck if I didn't have my PC hooked up to it. But um, now I have a configuration where I have my PC is in like a separate room, but I have like the HDMI cable running through the wall. <laughs> so I can still use it in uh, my living room. Um, and I also use a uh, a Steam controller, which is um, the Valve manufactured controller that you see on steam sales a lot that has um the track pads which is perfect if you have the same setup that i do where you have your yeah where you have your pc set up in your living room and you use it as like an entertainment center or whatever it's it's really convenient specifically for that purpose to have a controller that you can use to play video games but also has track pads on it so you can you know move the mouse around the screen or whatever yeah, anyway, um, it's it's very nice. Uh, if you have a gaming PC or want your PC to be used as an entertainment center, hook it up in your living room, uh, provided that your architecture allows for such a thing.
1: Alternatively, my plan is to just build a man cave basement when we buy a house one day. Because uh-huh. in North Carolina, we have basements. In Florida, oh, yeah, you can't do that in so Florida. Much. Nope. But in North Carolina, I'm totally going to get a basement one day and then just set up the best couch with the biggest TV and have my pc can they can work on either the tv or the desktop
0: yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's that's where i that's, have it. that's the alternative that's exactly what i have right now i have my pc hooked up like right. at, at my desk but also i have right. the hdmi through the wall so i can also use it on my tv anyway yeah. uh yeah uh check it out if you have a good pc um yeah yeah uh is that our show
1: yeah hopefully jesus this is like come on
0: yeah, we are we're getting longer and longer on these episodes. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, I you know, I think that we had a lot to talk about. It was your it was one of your favorite games of all time, you know.
0: It is. It is one of my favorite games of all time. Um next show is going to be right around Evo, which is Ooh. the biggest the biggest uh, largest and most prestigious fighting game tournament of the year. So we will probably do something fighting game related on the next show.
1: We have a couple uh, things on the list as far as fighting yeah. games,
0: right? Yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. But expect some fighting game content on the next episode of our show. Um, anything else?
1: Um,
0: nope. Okay. Uh, well, for the Good Games Podcast, I am James. I'm Leo. We'll see you next time. See ya. like even the npc is <clears throat> oh god <clears throat> excuse me
1: need some water man
0: yeah i know <clears throat> i was looking around for something to drink and i got nothing in here so whatever um <clears throat>